All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is WTF, my podcast. I don't. It probably sounds a little different, right? It sounds different to me, and it feels different as well. You know why? Because I'm recording not at my house. I'm not at my garage. Do you want to know why? Because the electricity is out here in Los Angeles. Do you, do you want to know why? I guess because it got windy. Yeah, that must be it. It got windy out, and my entire neighborhood has no electricity. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually recording this a couple of days early because I'm going out on the last leg of my tour, heading into my special, which we'll be recording in Minneapolis on Saturday night, day after tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Thursday. Oh, and by the way, on Thursday, I'm in Milwaukee, and on Friday, I'm in Madison, Wisconsin, and on Saturday, Minneapolis. And there might be some tickets left for that second show of my taping at the Pantages in Minneapolis. There's actually, between me and you, there's actually tickets left for Milwaukee and Madison as well. I don't know why. I've been doing really well with the sales, selling out almost everywhere, but something about Wisconsin, uh, just, uh, you know, no go on that. I'm just telling you, all right? I'm just telling you, is a, you know, this is not a Hail Mary pass. This is not desperation. If you are in Minneapolis on Saturday or Madison, Wisconsin on Friday or Milwaukee, Wisconsin on Thursday, Come see me perform if you'd like to do that. It's a reasonably priced ticket. I don't know what it is, but I know it's not a pricey ticket. And again, go to the source. Go to the venue's website. Don't just Google Mark Marin tickets Milwaukee because then a scalper site will come up and you'll say, holy shit, $12,000 for Center Row Orchestra? That seems that seems steep. Who does Mark fucking think he is? No. That's not the way, oh, did you hear the, I just heard the chair roll. All kinds of new sounds because I'm in a different location. I'll tell you where I'm at in just a second, but first I'll tell you who's on the show. I have two musical guests. Neither one of them will be playing music, but we will be talking about music. Here's the deal. Mark Lanigan, who you know from the Screaming Trees and from his solo work, you know, arguably one of the greatest rock singers of the last two decades. I, I've always loved Mark Lanigan. I've not listened to everything he's ever done, but great, great voice. So when I got the opportunity to interview Mark Lanigan, I was like, hells yeah. So I talked to Mark Lanigan. Then last week, I get an, uh, an, an opportunity to talk to Mac DeMarco. Now, Mac DeMarco, I'm new to. Uh, I, I, I've, I don't know where I got his records, but I got a few of the records. And I was like, this is weird. This is kind of soft and interesting and uh, kind of unique. There's some songwriting chops here and there's some guitar chops and it's got a weird production values. But my first thought is like, I don't usually like music like this, but I'm sort of interested in this guy. I was interested in him as a person and where that music comes from. And then all of a sudden I get an opportunity to interview Mac DeMarco. So he came over. So we're splitting up this episode between Mac DeMarco and Mark Lanigan. Pretty interesting, huh? How's it sounding in here? Because this is not, this is not a, um, this is not a sound garage. I'm in a painter's garage. I'm in Sarah Kane abstract painter girlfriend garage surrounded by paint. Just paint everywhere. Right to my right, there's a thing, a palette of, I don't know what you call it, several different palettes with all kinds of colors on it. And underneath it, there's just a slab of plastic 
with paint and goop on it. There's goop everywhere. Paints. There's painting on. There's paintings on the wall in different, different uh, phases of completion. But uh, this is where real work gets done. More than just talking. There's an entire uh, one of those cabinets that you uh, things on paper go into, and on top of it, there's like a thousand brushes in painty cups and canisters. There's honey, which I do not think is used for the paintings. I think that's probably a tea item. Uh, there's a there's a airbrush thing. Holy shit! I don't think I've ever looked around her studio before, and uh, I'm a little intimidated because um, I don't know the difference between these brushes. There's like at least eight thousand different kinds of brushes. I've obviously decided that large numbers are hilarious, and I'm just going to keep saying large numbers over and over again. Oh, look, here, here's a box of a million beaded things that go, sometimes she sews into canvases. And this is like, oh, here's a, here's a, 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 cont- a container of, uh, what is that? Floetrol. Let's, let's give a shout out to Floetrol. That is a latex paint additive, eliminates brush and roller marks. Floetrol for all you painters. It's also in Spanish. Aditivo para pintores aletiques. I don't think I said any of that right. So that, I don't know what that does. And then this is, what are these? What's in here? Genu- oh, staples. I know what staples do. I know how to use stapler. Yep. I'm on top of something here. But there's a lot of works in progress here. It's all very exciting. Uh, she's sitting on the couch. You know, painters don't live like regular people they uh they have these spaces this used to be a garage kind of and then uh and now it's it there's like one two three four like five huge canvases on the wall and then there's a thing that she hangs from for yoga which i you know i think if it were i i if i didn't know better i'd be like that's an interesting piece i like how you integrated the yoga blanket into the rope things and and hung it like that and then you'd say uh no that's actually that's for that kind of yoga and i'm like what do you got to ruin it for why can't i just accept it the art for what it is but there's a lot of things going on in here and oh here's a pencil sharpener pencil sharpener i kind of want to sharpen a pencil just for the sound yeah i don't know where the pencils are there's a lot of paint and stuff oh here's one do you remember the sound of a pencil sharpener and when was the last time it, it, it happened? Hold on. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, that's fun. It's really sharp. And now you, now you know what's going to happen is one more punch in, I'll knock the lead out, and then I'll have to start all over, which is really the fun part of sharpening pencils is when you just can't stop sticking the pencil in and you fuck it up every time, and then your teacher goes, stop, stop it, or I'm going to bring the hand one back do you, are you old enough to remember the hand cranky pencil sharpeners with the several different hole options on the side someone asked me the other day they're like did you did she ever let you paint and uh not only has she not let me paint but i never asked her to paint never thought about painting why not just say hey mark how'd you like to feel like a, an idiot in front of your girlfriend the painter and ask her if maybe you could have some brushes and a little palette of four colors. Just have fool around. Just have some fun. 
just have some fun in the painter's studio like a seven-year-old and be encouraged like that. That's very creative. That's very creative. Now, what happens when you mix those two colors together? Look at it. It's a whole new color. Oh, good job, Mark. Can I paint on a canvas? No, just use another piece of paper. Canvases are expensive and take time. She's doing a lot of shit over here that I don't know fucking anything about. Just come over here and see these things in different uh, phases of completion. I don't, I don't see what's going on in here, but it's very professional. This one over here is like 20 feet tall or maybe 30. So is, it, is it still funny? The numbers, the exaggerated numbers, is that, is that wearing thin? So, Mac DeMarco, I got to be honest with you, the agenda of this, and I've listened to his records, and I was sort of intrigued, but it seemed to me that the undercurrent of what I was trying to do was trying to get him to explain to me why I like his music so much. Weird, right? I was just trying to track his sources. I was just trying to see where he came from. I was just trying to get a handle on the guy. Uh, his new album, uh, This Old Dog, comes out on May 5th. Uh, so this is me and Mac DeMarco back in my non-painting garage. It's weird. I don't I don't know you, obviously. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> but I got that album a few years ago, uh, two, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I, I don't even know where it came from. Like I, I get think sent, most people, yeah, we're kind of like, what like, the hell is this? I get you know? sent records, you know, and, you know, the cover was sort of like, this guy looks a little dopey somehow. <laughs> 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 like, what's he up to with that guitar and the hat? Yeah. Like, you look like an, uh, kind of a normal dude. Yeah, I would like to think so. Yeah. Right, and I, I did not uh, know what to expect from the record, and then I put it on, and I'm like, well, this is, uh, there's something going on here. I don't understand what it is, but I'm in. I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't, it's, you're very hard to, uh, to, I can't wrap my brain around it because it seems like, it seems pretty laid back, but there must be some fury in there somewhere for me. To, for somewhere, me, yeah. yeah. A lot of confusion, yeah. For me to, yeah. Think, you know, to resonate with it. I, I, I don't know how to place you, but I guess that's sort of the, the issue that's good and kind of odd about, about your trip, right? Yeah. I mean, how old are you? 26 now, going on 27 this month. So you're young. Mm-hmm. You're a young fella. I hope so. Yeah. I Where, mean, yeah. Where'd you uh, Where'd you come from? What's your Where'd you grow up? I'm in. Uh, I grew up in Western Canada, Edmonton, Alberta, home of the Edmonton Oilers. If you're doing okay right now, I don't know that much about hockey, but that's kind really of really not a hockey guy. Not really, but that's the only point of reference a lot of people have for where. Yeah, I'm not a hockey guy either, but I performed in Edmonton. Oh yeah. Yeah, isn't that where the mall is? Big mall. Yeah, I think it was the it's largest the- from '91 to '90. Right, Three like the uh, the sister mall to the Mall of America. That's right. And they have, uh, yeah, I, I, there's a comedy club in there. And yeah, I, yeah, Reds maybe. I, think. I I forget what it was called. I I don't know what it was called, but I stayed at a hotel connected to the uh, mall. Fantasyland, probably. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I just remember I was on a horse floor, mm-hmm. and there were doors were you know painted you know horses in their stables. Yeah, it's a yeah. weird place. <laughs> Very. They have like a life size Santa Maria like boat copy. They have. They had dolphins when I was a kid. Like real dolphins? Yeah, they had like a submarine tour, like skating rinks. It was... Was it the center of life? It was, I mean, that's what they wanted it to be. And I think for a couple years, you know, when I was really young or even before, it was like, oh my God. But then by the time I was 
you know like 24 yeah you know as like a, a teenager going was just yeah. this like relic of the 80s with like greasy brass handrails and like everything was kind of dirty and ha- there were wings that were just shut down did you go there you know? yeah did you go there in a punk rock way as 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 an older kid just to hang around and cause trouble uh no nah, i did that close to my it was too far it was kind of like the i don't know i don't know what we'd go over there for yeah strange I, I knew kids when i was younger that used to live they had these tunnels underneath the mall that they were going to extend the train because the train system in Edmonton's not so yeah. good. They're going to extend the train. Never ended up doing it. So these tunnels were empty and they, they'd keep some of This is all, you know, yeah. hearsay, but I like to believe it. Sure. They kept some of the animals that weren't on display under the mall and then all these like, you know, runaway raver kids would live with these like penguins, you know, in these like, yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a, that's a pretty cool, good yeah. myth. Yeah, I like it, yeah. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> They're the raving the, the the penguin raves. They were yeah. called. Oh yeah. Oh, no yeah. one ever went to one, but everybody heard about it. Oh them. yeah, down below subterranean penguin raves. Below yeah. them all. Uh huh. Yeah. So you you uh, you were raised in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And uh, when did you start playing the guitar? Uh, probably when I was thirteen or fourteen, something like that. I got a musical family. Really? Like like how? Uh, grandmother is uh, an opera singer. She used to teach at the conservatory. Like a real opera singer? Yeah. Like yeah. sings uh, in the big opera? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was a shredder. Uh, really? She still is. She doesn't sing anymore. But, oh, uh, my God. That's uh, incredible. Like, Did she specialize in uh, a certain language? I, you know, tell you the truth, don't know too too well. I, you know, uh, I think she really believed that she was Italian, although it was her husband that was. So I think she is that probably where you get the name. Yeah, exactly. DeMarco. Okay. So, where was uh, she from? What, what? She, she's. I think she's just Western Canadian as uh-huh. well. I mean, you know, when you look back in any Canadian uh, heritage, it's usually English or French or whatever. So I think yeah. that. But yeah, she really, you know, uh-huh. I didn't realize till I was older that it was like because I never met my grandfather, but right. he was the Italian. Right. But she kept on making the lasagna, the spaghetti. Oh, really? It was a sham. It was yeah. a sham. She used to say she was speaking in Italian. Then when I took French immersion, it was like, that's that's French, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's but cool. she, everyone's got to have their dreams. I and know, you, I know. You know, I you got to, you know, it, that's kind of sweet, though. Yeah. But yeah. she would sing in the, in, is there a big opera house up there? Or? Um. Yeah, I think that, what, what is there? What is the something that... You never saw her do it? I saw her do it on yeah. a smaller scale when I was a little older. I saw her in some operas and stuff when I was pretty young, too. But. Like a soprano or... or or like how how does that work? Do you understand yeah, it? No, I don't understand it at it's all. See, that was the thing I re- I retracted from it as a kid. I was like, I don't want to go on singing lessons. I don't want to go on piano lessons. Let me play my video games and leave me alone. Yeah. yeah. Then eventually, all the kids on the playground are like, Yo, I learned to play this ACDC riff. I'm like, Oh, okay, sick. Uh, and they're like, Oh, you want music lessons now? Great, you know? Right. Let's do it. So you started. That's when he started with guitar. Yeah, and then you know ACDC riff. Oh yeah, hell yeah. Oh. He's the fucking best. Yeah, yeah. Angus, Angus Young is the best. Yeah, Angus is cool. Yeah. I go. I keep going back to it. I mean, it's, I'm it's 53. He's got, got a great tone. You know, he's got a great vibe. Great showman. The whole band. You know, but those fun. licks, they're, they're just like it's is for a metal dude. It's just blues riffs. I know. I know. And nice vibrato. Oh, oh it's it's sweet. Oh, yeah, yeah, that SG man just oh, yeah. cutting. Yeah, yeah. I listen to it probably every week. Mm. What are you gonna do? Huh? Yeah, with no, nothing you can do about it. <laughs> 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 what What's your relationship with Eric Andre? Uh, I went to his birthday party the other night, actually. Um, you guys are buddies? Uh, sort of, yeah. I met him a handful of times. It's not like, you know. Oh, you don't go way back? No. I mean, we did his show, uh, that was probably two two years, three years ago or something now. Did that. Was a fan already. Um, you know, big thing for us. Like, oh, this is crazy. Um, had a nice time with him then. Uh, he did a little thing with us at Coachella last time he played. Oh, right. Now, I was just told someone who saw it, that he played a theremin with a dildo. Yeah, big, nice, long dildo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How did so, it sound? Good? 
I think maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah. did you ever play with him though? He's a he's a bass player, I believe. He is. Yeah, I didn't know that. Like like uh, I if I'm not mistaken, because I've talked to him, I think he's like Berkeley educated bass player. Oh. Like he's like high level. See, I had and no he clue. he bailed on it because he couldn't be as good as, as Yako. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, now you know that. Now yeah. you're going to have to kind of corner him to play. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, like, it sounds like that your bass guy kind of bounces around a lot. Yeah, my, well, you know, I got a, now I've got a real hot player, kid that I grew up with from my hometown, John. Yeah? He's one of those, mm, ooh. Yeah? Yako. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, really? Oh, he's great. He's great. I got some, some heavy hitters playing with me right now, but I've had a bunch of bass players in the past, so. So you're there, you're taking guitar lessons, you're learning ACDC riffs. Mm-hmm. Um... You playing in like rock bands? I played in a bunch of bands as a teenager. Uh, mostly, you know, jokey stuff. Maybe a couple bands were jokey okay. stuff. You know, just you know, when you're a kid and you, you're writing songs, especially where I'm from, where it's a hockey town, it's like yeah. very homophobic and a lot of testosterone, big muscles, and tight at hearty you're, shirts. You're scared. You you're know? up against it. You know, you're, you're against, like yeah. even if you're not gay, even if you're just fragile, exactly a sensitive kid. Yeah, going so, the other way. So I was scared, and you know, wrote some. Uh, you know stuff like you know just f- having a laugh and then eventually by the time I was 17 or 18 started making my own little records in the were, bedroom were you playing up against those dudes were you playing gigs where those the other the, the hockey dudes would come did you have to was it sort of a, a Nirvana thing where you're like crafting songs that they didn't know were, were calling them stupid it was I mean they, I don't even think they were really I mean it was that was kind of the school that I went yeah. to and it was it was a uh, yeah, I guess it's, like, it's kind of yeah. like a blanket mentality over because we have right. like a lot of oil so there's a lot of like dummies that like to work for the oil don't yeah. really you know think about trucks yeah 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 yeah. it's so, weird it's like texas up there yeah 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 but yeah like i guess cold call- texas so like even crazier yeah you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I i don't mean to call them stupid it's just a different way of life uh, you know you can call them that i don't mind different know. priorities yeah yeah straight up you know what i mean oh destroying the planet whatever we're gonna get a new hockey arena downtown next year it's great it's yeah like, i mean morons like, Come on. exactly it's, it'll be good if we all die at the same time then no one misses anything <sighs> fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you start playing in bands and you start recording now what like what's your old man do where, where is he musical too he is i think in some respect um plays guitar kind of he's a bit of a you know like uh i'd say i I didn't grow up with him so i don't really know him very well Ah. so he's out of the pick but you know when he would come around he'd be like hey boy i got your new harmonica let's jam on the acoustic like okay you know but from a definitely more of like uh pass the whiskey bottle around the fireplace play some neil young songs as opposed to like you know my my grandma you know this conservatory stuff my grandfather was a great sax player as well so it's you know it's it which grandfather your dad's dad no my 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 demarco yeah demarco he had a funny story about him actually he i never met him like i was yeah but he had uh he had half his arm amputated because he got cancer Uh uh-huh it was a while you know 30 years ago so they're like okay let's get rid of that so he lost half his arm sax player you need you need arms arms, yeah kind of yeah so what uh the university of alberta ended up doing was uh they built this socket that goes up on his arm, on his nub. Yeah. Connected to this, you know, all these solenoids on this this box. And then the box is connected to some, you know, switches on the uh, keys that he was missing with that left arm. Huh. So he was banging his nub around this box and he yeah. still, you know, they brought the shred back. It's like pr- kind of beautiful. And there's a crazy oh, video on man. YouTube of him, you know. It's there like, is a video of him oh, on YouTube? Yeah. Oh, that's great, yeah. What's his name? Hank DeMarco. Yeah. And he's... That must look wild. It's insane, yeah. He's, he's stoked in it, too. I never met the guy, but you just see him, and he's like, I'm playing again. Oh, my God, this is so sick. And Did he like, die before you were conscious? Uh, he died before I was born, yeah. I think oh, a before you were born? So. 
But they have the video. Did he do it on television? Yeah, he did. Uh, I think it was for some kind of like science show or something. It's like, right. Look at the amazing discoveries, you know. When's your dad split? Uh, probably when I was five or something like that. And he yeah. went to another city? No, he was around. It was kind of like he was the holiday parent, you know. It's like see you, see you then, see you then. And his his, you know, uh, I was he's sort of involved with his family in, in some way, you know, like the grandparents. Yeah, were kind of like yeah, we're gonna yeah, yeah. sorry, yeah, gonna, yeah, here we go. That's my mom, Agnes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. go go do your bit. Yeah, we'll you know we'll, we'll pick the kids up and buy them something. Yeah, something, yeah. You know, so but they were very sweet people. But you got brothers sisters? I have one little brother, and then I have a half sister who was around. For a while, when I was a kid, she ended up moving to. Uh, she's lived a couple different places. She lives in the mountains in BC now, though. So, oh, really? You're, yeah. That's your dad's kid. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but she's you, chill. She, where I'm close. Gotta, to her. Oh, really? Did she's that dope. did that all evolve over time, or were you always close? I, it was always. I think she was kind of like yo, because she was a little bit older to deal with some of the madness of. Because he bounced on her too, so it was kind of like. Okay, kids, like, yeah, not this time, like, that's, you know, so, so she's very sweet. The reason I guess I'm talking about your dad is because on this, the one song on the record, the new record, which is called This Old Dog, mm -hmm. that first song is, is, is some sort of strange recognition of, you know, it's, it seems to be about your dad. Oh, totally, yeah. I think, it, I mean, I think and a lot of people have come at it kind of like in a way where, because there is that trope of like, um, you look, you know, it's happening. I'm, I'm, I look what I'm become. I'm becoming. Yeah, and it can be taken in a more, you know, uh, lighthearted way or something like that. But for me, you know, and that's the part that the beauty of the pop song part, where not everybody knows my history. Maybe some of my friends and people, but it's like, but for me, it's like you know, I'm talking more about like you know, the, most of my like. Uh, Bad shit. The bad, yeah, the badder shit is right. Like, I don't want to see that. You know, right. Come on. You know. But if people can take it in a soft way too. That's great. But I think that was one of the reasons that the music sort of appealed to me is that there was something more to it. Even the uh, uh, the, the the becoming your dad thing because I I have uh, the same issue where yeah. it's very hard to separate. Like okay, I liked it. There's got to be some good things about this dude, mm -hmm. and like you obviously have embraced those the yeah. musical taste, the fact that you know he was this kind of free spirited, you know, though irresponsible dude. But there are good things about them, and you're like, I can embrace that. But what do I do with this other shit? Yeah, it's like it's you know just <laughs> it's, understand. It's a confusing thing, you know. So it's it like, is. And, I don't, you know. And then you got to, and then it becomes like, is it inevitable? Exactly, you know. Who knows? Perhaps, maybe. Well, I'm tw I'm twice as old as you almost. Um, it's not it's not inevitable. Okay. Because like like what I find is that um, if the old man is is either emotionally absent or physically absent, there's this like need to to sort of overcompensate and look for some sort of guidance in your brain. Yeah. But like, if it feels to me that underneath those things like becoming your dad on either side there's still an authentic you in there yeah totally right yeah, yeah, yeah. so that that's the thing that he fucked you know like they somehow or another neglected so we neglect it and then like you know to let that thing out you know in the in the mire of that other shit of the old man shit yeah tricky man you, yeah it's tricky well no it sounds like yeah you know you got a couple more albums there I mean, as well as being about my my pops, it is just kind of. I think a lot of this record is because I tour a lot. You know, even though I'm pretty young, we've been on tour for like five years straight or something. Yeah, you don't get a lot of time to, to sit have a down. Life. And, yeah, and, and even to even to think about your own life, regardless of where you're at. Right. So you know, luckily I have these periods where I can think about it and then uh, put it on display for the entire world. 
which is fine. I'm fine with it, but it's interesting. From yeah, it's a weird path to take, I suppose. But yeah, uh, you live a lot. You have to live a lot in your head. Yeah, yeah. In terms of creatively, yeah. Because like, what are you going to write about the bus? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> about <laughs> the other dudes, Denver last weekend. There it's you like, go. Nah, I don't know about that. Time you for know. country. I don't know. <laughs> well, where did you start to? Um, because it seems like just even from the first record, you gravitated towards. Were you thinking in terms of of making hits? Because it dawned on me, and I don't know if this is bad or good, but mm. it just dawned on me this morning. You know, because I was listening and trying to get caught up. There's not a lot of information about you because you're a child. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, no, you're young. You know, but but like. Because, like, you, I see John Mayer out and about, mm-hmm. you know, trying to establish himself as a monster guitar player after he did those three or four, you know. Body is a wonder. Yeah, right? It's a hit. What can you do? But but that's <laughs> what I'm saying, right? Yeah. But, like, he's got he's to gotta claw back from that. Yeah, yeah. In a way. You, you know, it's sort of like, I don't know if we're all going to accept you as a as Stevie Ray Vaughan. I was confused. After- I remember, you know, when I was a real guitar player kid, I saw him on, what is that, like, G3 or whatever, like the Eric Clapton Festival? Yeah, or- right. Or like Crossroads or something. I was like, John Mayer? I had no idea. He can shred, you know, but really it's confusing. Shred. You know, it's like, what? It's confusing, but there's also that uh, that issue of like, make bank, which is not easy to do. You got to be uh, no, pretty no, talented no, to no, make no. a hit song. Yeah. And then like, you know, after you, you don't have to worry about money ever again, you're mm-hmm. going to be like, now I'm going to go play with the guys yeah, yeah. and show and do the real shit. Yeah. And some of us guys are sort of like, nah, I don't know. I think that's what it boils, you know. It's the, it's the realness thing, you know, where it's, say, for example, with John Mayer. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't really know that much about his music. I know he right. can shred on the blues guitar. I know he's written these songs, but, you know, I mean, maybe he felt real doing it. Maybe he didn't. I don't, you know, it, it was too, you know, yeah. far out of the scope for me to ever really pay attention to anyway. But, but I think it is a funny thing, especially where I'm at with this record where yeah. it's number three and it's kind of like, it's not like there's real pressures or anything, but it's like, you know, a lot of bands, number three, it's like bigger bigger sound like yeah top top 40 appeal like let's do this you know yeah regardless of you know if i went some kind of you know guitar-y you know way like that john mayer style or like went some like synthesizer sexy right. you know and instead of you know uh I, I, and there were moments writing it too where i caught myself and it's kind of like do i you know i'm trying like okay i could you know write this big you know and, and it's just like this is silly you know it's silly Don't i feel do it, right i feel ridiculous yeah and you know, I, I I feel like a jackass trying to do this, and you know, so I, and then I decided, okay, I'm just gonna write some songs that can be what they gotta be. You know, if there's not any up tempo ones, I don't really give a shit, whatever. But you know, it's a big thing I think about a lot. It's like the, you know, realness, real, recognize, real, right, keeping true, keeping yeah. insane. You know? well, so you had that moment where you're like, oh, I could I could turn this, I could make this a hit song in a way. Like you, I don't you even, felt I mean, that. I mean, I think I I had the the concept and maybe like that. You know, there is that. It's like, oh, it'd be great. You know? Yeah, or yeah, like, yeah. But then I don't think I even have the capacity. You know, I don't think I could make a big Evergreen or like big, sexy, huge festival, you know, stadiums. I couldn't do that. For, you know, I don't think that most people listening aren't going to even think that either. But it's just like, I've seen a lot of, you know, my contemporary people that I see at festivals and stuff trying to jack it up, get the bigger. For me, it's like, I, I appreciate more people, you know, like Jonathan Richmond, for example. Oh, man, I love that guy. I love him. You know, he's kind of like my... Like, he's your guy? I love this man. But uh, it's like... Do you work with him ever? He's played with us. Like, when we did the Greek theater, he, he played with us there. And I've seen him play probably like 20 times since I was a kid. But uh, 
but yeah, he, but what he's done is like, you know, regardless, he's always going to be this like rock God legend yeah. wrote, you know, road runners and the modern lovers, you know, a lot of great albums. But as time has progressed, he's just tried to reel as much back as he can and just keep it. Cause the whole thing with him is it's like the important thing is he's on the stage. Yeah. Here's the crowd. There's yeah. like an immediate connection. I'm, I'm hip. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that's all of it. Exactly. And it works great. And, and not to say that he's not trying anything new, but it's like, you know, he just has these things set up and he knows what he's doing. He knows who he is. And it's just like a fucking beautiful thing. Like it's really cool. Well that like, like I relate to that because there is something you know, about gunning for authenticity over, uh, you know, like, uh, what well, show it's not showmanship, but, but it's really the, the opposite. Cause I deal with this in comedy mm-hmm. when, you know, there are guys who put on an act and then there are guys who are who they are. Yeah. And they, they can't really escape it. There, there are people that create a persona either consciously or not. And that persona does a show. Yeah. And then they leave and they, and they may be assholes. They may be quiet. They may, you know, be socially, you know, uh, crippled you know but on stage that's the thing and then they go away all i've been trying to do is make everything about the same level yeah you know so when i show up there not that much different than talking to you exactly it helps to keep you sane you know yeah it keeps you sane also keeps you honest with yourself if that's what you want and it's just yeah for me especially too it's like you know i mean it's funny now with the internet and the way people hone in on things and the way that things are presented but yeah on a level where it is like human human at the show, going up on stage, obviously there's like some lights and stuff. You're like, all right, let's have a good sure. time. But for the most part, I think it's important just to be like, do you, you right? Know? And just to that's the hardest thing. I, yeah, I guess I, maybe for some people, I suppose. Yeah, but I mean, that can be hard for me too, I guess. But I think uh, yeah, just keeping it. Yeah, on the no, level, I know what you mean. You know? Because like you have those moments, like you said, when you're writing this record, where where you can see an avenue. To where you know you could get away with something, yeah, creatively that isn't really you, yeah, yeah, but would work, yeah, oh yeah, and maybe work. even stick a little harder than just being you could be, yeah. and then then you got to live with that, mm-hmm. you know that <laughs> that's what you got to keep in mind, yeah. right, right, because there's nothing more satisfying than doing a show and like something either something happens that you didn't anticipate that was uniquely organic mm-hmm. to that evening that you know will never happen again, yeah, For, that's the best thing that can happen to me is like a moment on stage and I'm like I did an hour and a half but that you know when I said that one thing that was the whole show yeah do yeah. you ever have that shit uh yeah a lot I mean our shows are very it's we we don't we barely even practice as a band so it's kind of like that's the whole show essentially you know and we play a lot of the same songs and yeah stuff, but it is like I was saying with Jonathan like I like to involve the kids I like to keep the venues as small as we can and I like to you know so. how do you involve them just you know Hey, let's have a oh, t-shirt. Yeah. 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 What's, What's up, up, man? You want to come up here? Oh yeah, yeah. Just whatever, you know. When was the first time you saw Richmond? Because I was, I'm sort of, uh, I was sort of mildly ex- obsessed with him for a while, you know. Because what you're saying, I think, about his sort of consistency of self, hmm. some people think is sort of like, well, I don't know what happened to that guy. Like he never did this, or he never did that, or he doesn't. You know what I mean? He never, grew, you know, he stayed where he was. But you I know, know, though, I mean, he's. His because his career spans is I mean I, I understand but you and me probably would say the the alternate right where no exactly yeah. Yeah. no because like it grew it, like he won't do this show from what I understand I've I've wanted to talk to him I don't yeah I don't think he I don't think doesn't he does, does he keeps things pretty simple and yeah. and pretty close yeah well he regard you know I mean similar to not want you know I don't think he does that much media or press yeah, stuff right. he like 
doesn't really like to fly. Uh-huh. He won't have air conditioners in the venue, no monitors on the stage. He mixes him and Tommy from the stage. Uh-huh. And, you know, I had these people, the people that deal with us in Brazil also take care of Jonathan. In Brazil? Yeah. yeah. And, and there's this guy, Bruno, that is a good friend of ours and a friend of Jonathan's. But if, regardless of how far the venue is away from the hotel, Jonathan needs to walk there. Right. Have his guitar, his little book, he's writing stuff down. But, you know, if it's like 20 miles away, it's like, okay, I'll just come pick me up at the hotel at five in the morning. Right. And like, we'll get there for sound check. But it's just, you know, he he's takes the bus a lot and drives in like a little sedan a lot of the show. It's just like, you know, he's, he's doing him. He's happy. Right. You know? He's a, it, he's a little eccentric, but true to himself. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that's the deal. Yeah. Also, you know, you start, start spending money on baloney, especially yeah. when you're touring a lot, you're not going to make any money. Right. So he's got that down too. So- what were your influences though because your guitar playing is pretty astounding what was it that turned like who was your guys like outside of angus where you kind of got this kind of lyrical sweet style of guitar playing like what were you listening to that um compelled you i don't know i mean like, I are you guess, a jerry garcia guy i love well that was more recent well i mean i guess before i started doing like the mac demarco records I yeah mean, other CDs and stuff that I put out and I was going, you know, it was more of like a bigger... It was just, it, what are those bands' names? That band was called Makeout Video. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, which which was just me on one guitar, so I had to fill it out and it was kind of more... It was like kind of like a Keith Richards thing, yeah. like open tuning. Oh, yeah. Trying to fill it out, but if you have it open, then you can kind of do some melodic stuff as well as keep the chords going. So. Are those available, those CDs? Those They're records? all on Bandcamp if you look it up. Oh, they are? Okay, yeah. I gotta um, check that out. And then... Uh, but as soon as I did the Mac, I think when I did that two record that you were talking about, yeah, I'd been listening a lot to, uh, and not not records that I had discovered at the time, but just for some reason, I think it, you know as I've gotten older, it's like my ear for especially production stuff. Uh huh. And you know you pick certain things out, but yeah, I, I was listening to you know a lot of the band, so like Robbie Robertson's playing or even Neil Young's playing, yeah, that kind of stuff. Um, and also just a lot of classic rock radio. You yeah. Know, that, I was kind of afraid of guitar solos for many years. Like, oh, it's too cheesy. I don't want to touch it. You know? Oh, really? But then you listen to, you know, you work. I was working at a grocery store and it was on, the, you know, Shome is the classic rock station in yeah. Montreal all night, every night. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah this is this is dope. You know, sure, so. man. Yeah, like after that second verse, lay it out. Yeah, just shed, <laughs> shed for a little bit, you know. So I kind of, it was kind of comical for me at first, but uh but, I had, but then, yeah, around the time I did the last EP before this record, uh, it's called Another One. I, got, I have that one. That's yeah, good, too. I got really into Jerry's playing, though. The uh, what the cover of that rock and roll nightclub thing, you mm-hmm. and the lipstick and stuff, yeah, was yeah. there, do you do, because, like, it's weird. There's, like, you know, there's the cover of, of Two, which is just, like, you and your, your beat-up... Uh, cool guitar mm-hmm. and then the rock and roll nightclub seems like you're like and when i looked at that record versus the one with you that with the fishing like where you're sitting there mm-hmm. by a lake yeah, yeah yeah or whatever i don't know what's gonna be on the cover of this one but uh that seemed like when i saw that i'm like what is this guy up to what is, is there a theme here <coughs> am i like is this a different t- like maybe i'm reading too much into it because i didn't know much about you and then your twitter feed wasn't your Twitter feed pretty uh, raunchy? It's all over the place. Right. So yeah. I'm trying to get... This was years ago when I first got the record. I'm like, let me get a sense of this guy because the music's so sweet. Yeah. And I go on your Twitter feed. I'm like, this guy's a fucking animal. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> Who? 
I can't I can't pull them together you in gotta, my head. You got to confuse the internet. People only stick around for a couple minutes. If you don't confuse them, make oh. them double take, then they're gone. You know? It's like so. this guy's writing like you know uh, sweet jazzy music, and he's like this this animal, <laughs> just a little like, dirty a little animal turd. Yeah, yeah. no. Uh, but I with, liked the, it. with the with uh, the with rock and roll nightclub, like you were, I mean, it is kind of compared. To, you know, the, the the stuff I did before that. Yeah, and rock and roll nightclub was like the first Mac. DeMarco, whatever, okay. sell, you know, sold, all the stuff was just me recording everything, but it's like, that was my name or whatever. Yeah. But it was like, a lot of those songs on there are like, uh, you know, I slowed everything down, tried to sing like Elvis. It's just like ridiculous. And then it had know. almost like a Zappa vibe with the, the recurring comedy bits, right? Was yeah. that the one with the, yeah. the radio channel, yeah, dude, the, the, the DJ? Stuff like that, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, you know, it was just a, I made that just out of complete, I wasn't really doing my old band anymore. Living in Montreal, didn't have a lot going on. Not the make-out video, you mean? Yeah, kind of yeah. hadn't done anything with that for a while. Um, made those songs by act. I was trying to write Ramon's songs, like real fast, power pop. Okay, like power yeah. Chord. sure. Yeah. And I suck at it, like I found out. But if I turned it all, slowed it way down on the tape machine, then I was like, oh, what's this? You know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, and then sang like really low and just wrote like really, you know, I'm writing about like leather boots and like motorcycles and stuff, like stuff I don't have any idea about, but I you know, attach with rock and roll for some right. reason. So. And some of your heroes were that. Yeah, yeah, you know, sure. So yeah. it's like, and then, you know, uh, luck, luckily for me, that's the one, or funnily enough too, that's the one that the labels were like, okay, you know, so my record label's like, we're signing you up. I'm like, okay. Uh, okay you know? Yeah. What label's that? Uh, Captured Tracks out of New York. All these jazz progressions and things. All these sw this sweet music. Like, who's in your audience? What kind of, what kind of kids are you attracting? They, they they get younger and younger now, but uh, I don't. I mean, I get all. It's funny, especially you're talking about the Jerry Garcia stuff. As soon as I put like in the gatefold of salad days, there's a like the dead uh, logo flag. In oh my, yeah, and you know it's in my room. And as soon as that was in the album art, it was just like we'd play in a smaller town or something. There'd be a dude like, "Hey man, saw that uh, saw that flag. Like, you like the dead?" And yeah. I'm like, you know, just but they just they'd wait for all the younger fans to leave and then be like, "Right, let's talk." You know, yeah, like, yeah. Hey. But uh, it's it's interesting. I mean, the, my my crowd is kind of. I mean, I get like a lot of people, you know, all shapes and sizes and any you know age or whatever. But but not metalheads. Um, no, probably not metalheads. Yeah. No, but uh, and not. Uh, do you have uh, the the sort of like. Uh, jock element some sometimes like the frat boy yeah you know the frat bo which is kind of terrifying because it's like i didn't want to play for you guys you know power to anybody though anybody yeah. can listen i'm not trying to be exclusive sure. or anything but. well maybe you find something in them maybe that's a good indication maybe you've you've, you've provoked you've shaken something loose maybe hopefully make yeah. that guy a sweet guy yeah hopefully. they're not all bad they're just <laughs> doing what they think they ought to do to just, fit in they're just confused we're yeah. all trying to fit in yeah but but lately it's been the the, the fans and i i i you know, in my experience of going to shows and, and being younger, I really appreciated it when bands, uh, even in my hometown or Vancouver or Montreal, would do all ages shows. Yeah. And, you know, keep it, you know, kind of like Ian Mackay, Minor Threat, whatever. Sure. That kind of. So it's important to me to do all ages shows. And, you know, the younger fans are, are, are the, definitely the craziest. But we, yeah, the, we do it, but we, yeah, we just keep getting You do all ages shows. A lot. Yeah. yeah. A lot. Um, but the kids are, yeah, they're nuts. We have like a lot, a lot of the times we'll be playing and the whole first three rows are like 15 year old kids. I'm like, this is, 
Oh really? It's, it's great, you know. But what it's they're like, just like you can feel that they're they're not fully formed. No, <laughs> no, just no. Kinda... You know, and I like to crowd surf at the shows, and like when you have oh, people you that young that haven't been to a show with crowd surfing before, especially I'm not the lightest guy yeah, anymore yeah. compared to even a couple of years ago. <laughs> I'm like crushing these little kids. Yeah, yeah. I feel bad, but I think they like it. I don't know. But sure, crazy. sure. They, they're, they're, yeah. It's part of it. It's part he, of the. Uh, he the, crushed me. Yeah, yeah. I hurt my hand. Yeah. <laughs> so you're you're touring with a full band now. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's changed a little bit. Uh, we, we've kind of had a similar setup for the last since two came out, I guess. So years ago, five or six years ago. Um, one a couple guys have left, but it's still yeah. We got a guy named John on the bass, my friend Joe on the drums, uh, my friend Andy on lead guitar. Yeah, I do a couple things here and there, and then we just added my old friend that grew up in my block in Edmonton the bass player now he's the uh, new keyboardist so you're keeping the local guys going you gotta keep it local yeah, yeah. so you got so you're, you're, is your folks still in uh, Edmonton uh, my mom is yeah she still in the house I grew up in okay um, she kind of bounces she was down here for a little while and kind of all over the place and the old hippie Old hippies out there somewhere, yeah. Gives me a call every once in a while. Oh, hey, really? I heard your song about me, kid. I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? Did he say that? Uh huh. And yeah. what do you think? I was like, wait till you hear the rest, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that the one that's getting airplay? I think that's yeah, it's that one and the the dog song. Those are the two that are out right now. So, where are you touring now? What's the, what's the plan? In May, it like starts for the whole year, so it'll be oh yeah, Europe. Just, here, oh really? Europe here, Europe here, then like. Asia, how's Europe Australia. for you? I love it. Yeah, I think. It's but do great. they like you? Uh, most places. Uh-huh. Um, I think you know, guitar music does a little bit stranger in say places you know countries like Germany. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I liked your clothing, but uh, your music, no, it's not for me. It's like, why did you come? You know, I don't. <laughs> Where do you get the best draw? The UK probably is like. I think it's one of the crazy. Like between, I mean. Southern California is crazy for us. New York can be crazy, but the kids in Southern California, there's a like, big community of like, yeah. young kids. They like burger records and stuff like that. They're like really into it. So that's good. And then the UK is like, you know, between that and maybe Buenos Aires is like really crazy for us. And then... Really? How does that happen? Is it airplay or what? Do, what? I don't really know. I bet, you know, I always think of that story, you know, like the story of the Ramones. They're playing like at CBGB's yeah. in New York. Then they go down there. They're playing like a fucking... Arena. Uh, arena. Yeah. Yeah. Which we're, I mean, we weren't, we're not playing anything that big, but it's like, you know, the shows are like at least as big as we do in New York or LA or even bigger and the kids down, it's like the one night of the year we get to feel like the Beatles, they're like, ah, it's like, oh my God, there's people waiting outside the hotel all night. It's like, this is, that's wild. You're really weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. Um, but the UK, yeah, the kids in the UK are, yeah, they're great. And you played with the Japan droids? Long time ago, yeah. Um, I like those guys. Nice guys, yeah. Canadian guys. Good Vancouver band, boys, yeah. yeah. They uh, they were on my first record label when I was 19 or 20. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, first tour I ever went on, they were kind of like, yeah, come They on. rock pretty hard. Yeah, they rock hard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, outside of Richmond, have you gotten to play with any of your other heroes or met them? Um, we, I mean, we do a lot of festivals nowadays, so we've got to see a lot of people... Um, Say like you know we saw Neil Young in uh, at Russ Gilda Festival this year that was amazing. Did you meet him? I tried. tried. Oh yeah. Met the sound guy's son. He gave me the backstage pass and we tried to go up to the stage and they were like, <clears throat> no, no, no. Like, eh, okay. yeah. But it was great. He played Keep on Rocking for like I think forty minutes or something. Sure. Just, like, just and he was rocking. Oh hell yeah, dude. Yeah yeah. 
doing those solos. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, who I, you know, I did meet one of my heroes recently. Who went for lunch with Michael McDonald, the singer. Yeah, that was incredible. Um, long, you know, strange story of how we got hooked up, but uh, he's on Thundercat's new record. Yeah, because he's like kind of your classic collaborator guy, you know, and he always has been. So Doobie Brothers. Oh yeah, but uh, he. Yeah, I think he's been, you know, checking out some newer contemporary stuff. And the stuff he did with Thundercat is insane. Him it's, and Kenny, it's, too. It's like, oh. Yeah, it's insane. That yeah. record's insane. It's amazing, yeah. Yeah, I, I just got it. Yeah. I listened to it yesterday. It's really good. It's, Michael McDonald, see, that, like, that area of music, for me, yeah. like, he's one of your guys. Like, you know, you like that guy. I love it. Yeah, I love Do it. Do you like the Doobie Brothers? Oh, yeah. See, that's, see, like, I grew up with that shit. Mm -hmm. You know, like, when I was in seventh grade, like, Blackwater was a huge hit. Mm -hmm. You remember that song? Oh, Blackwater, keep on oh, going. Oh, yeah, yeah, Mississippi. Yeah. It's like a big deal. Is that pre-Michael, though? Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, they were around. China Grove, yeah, Blackwater. Totally. Like, well, a lot of my friends, you know, or I have this one friend, his dad is always like, Michael McDonald ruined the Doobie Brothers. Right. And well, they, they were with Skunk Baxter a little bit, too. Yeah, like, yeah. But uh, but yeah, Michael McDonald came in and made those. Uh, what was his big Doobie Brothers hit? Uh, what uh, a fool believes. Yeah, when they what had minute by minute. Believes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Minute by minute. Yeah. Amazing. Huh? It's so funny, man. I love it. You love it. I love it. I love it. That's where it comes from. Yeah, I love you know that kind of. That's it's a newer thing for me. Um, not well, not new, but like say like Steely Dan. I love Steely Dan. I of love course. You know, stuff like that. You know, but there is. You know, you uh, might just be my bridge, <laughs> <laughs> because, because like I, you know, because I can, I, I find your music enjoyable and palatable, right? But like, I struggle with Steely Dan. Oh, you know, a lot of people do, and I understand. And the way that I feel about it is, say, I listen to Neil Young or yeah. something, or Joni Mitchell, or, right. or the band, or something, and what I get from that. Is like a, is a real emotional response, you know? Because it's, 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 it, there, you can feel the personality yeah, in between them. There's yeah. something there. Yeah. And with some of Michael's stuff, but the Steely Dan in particular, it almost, like, very rarely do I get any kind of emotional response exactly. from it. Exactly. It's just like, you know, New York, you know, guys just being like, yeah, we're like making these it's jokes like, yeah, that nobody it, understands. And it's kind of like, you know. like production math. Well, exactly. But that's the, th you know, there is, for me, it's more about just listening like, oh my God, like, oh, listen to that Steve Gadd feel like, a it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like almost like porn or something. So, so that's, there it is. You just kind of got to let it, you know, let it, let it be what it is. But see, know. that's exactly the trip, man, because it, that it is almost antithetical to what we were talking about at the beginning. Oh, totally. That, yeah. that, that raw authenticity that people like Joni or Neil or the band, when they're, you know, together, they can't, they can't avoid it. No. I mean, it's what makes them amazing outside of being amazing yeah, exactly. musicians, but there's a lot of room for messiness. Oh, yeah. Not Whereas, with Steely, though. No, fuck no. And not with the Doobie Brothers either. Uh-uh, uh, -uh, uh, -uh. Yeah. It's like, it's it's almost, it, it exists in this weird chamber that is like, uh, not devoid of, of rawness, but kind of. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah. Just, you know, session musicians, just completely. And you, you get know. off on like that precision it, of, of sound. So, sometimes. You know, I, it's almost like if I found it comical in a way, where yeah. it's like, because so, some of that Steely Dan stuff is so, whether it's the lyrics or the playing right. or the sound, so ridiculous. Right. And it's like, and to have something like that become, a, you know, it's like pop fusion jazz, you know, mm -hmm. 
Great. I love Steely. I really they got nothing bad to say about them, but it is hilarious. A lot of the time, hilarious music. But you know? well, well, the the thing is, it's like it's ear candy to some people. It's yeah. almost like you know the the sort of compression of it and the production of it. Yeah. That's what really turns people is that that precision of sound is like they they just it's like crack to them. Yeah. And they're real passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And like I I don't dismiss them as being mediocre or shitty. It's just really like either you like it or you don't. Well, yeah. It's you know it's I think you know a lot of especially people that are like looking for it's people that like the highest quality in things you know right like, and they, like they they don't want uh, they, they, they don't want to be anxious yeah they don't, <laughs> don't want to be challenged necessarily it's very well it's great talking to you yeah and now you're going to show me that scale yeah I can show it to you no problem thanks buddy yeah God bless Mac DeMarco I think we we found that we found some of the keys to what what makes his sound sound like it does, and it's still unusual that I like him so much. That's not that's not passive aggressive. I'm just uh, I, I'm baffled, but I like him, and his records are great. Mark Lanigan, man, Mark Lanigan, heavy man, deep Lanigan. What a great singer. Uh, as a solo artist and with the Screaming Trees. Do you remember those first two Screaming Trees records? Or I, I think they were actually the first two I heard. They are probably like the fourth and fifth Screaming Trees record. But um, big voice. And I loved his first solo record. But he's done a lot of stuff. And uh, I was excited to meet him and hang out with him in the garage. So uh, his new album uh, from the Mark Lanigan Band is called Gargoyle. It comes out tomorrow, April 28th. And this is me and Mark Lanigan. Having a conversation. The Copenhagen thing. So you grew up with it. So you're one of those guys who could just take a pinch and boop right in there. Well, eventually. I mean, the first time I did it, I got really sick. Well, that's but that's the thing that gets you. It's funny with Copenhagen and heroin. <laughs> never, never a great experience first time out. But for some reason, the guys that commit, they'll ride that out. Yeah. Well, I should have gotten sick the first time I did heroin, but that didn't happen. So I did it many, many more times before it started working against me. Well, so that that was not uh, that that worked out too well the first time. Indeed. But you're still alive <laughs> somehow against, against all odds. But I mean, like, what to you know? In order to to dip as a kid you gotta live a certain life i mean where where did you where, where'd that start where'd you grow up i grew up in a small town in central washington which is like uh mainly farming ran- well, ranching near spokane or no uh right between spokane and seattle right in the exact center of the state so like washington like i you know it always strikes me as uh beautiful but uh but there's a there's a a, a sort of creepiness at the core somewhere <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I once read that uh, most serial killings happen in Washington and Florida in the corners of the of really the yeah, yeah so. people hit the uh, hit the edge literally and they're like, uh, I guess I got to go back in and do some bad work. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone as far as I can go geographically within the confines of this country. Now I got to go make my mark. Yeah, I mean Ted Bundy did damage in both states. He actually killed somebody in my hometown. Really? Yeah, I remember uh, when I was a little kid at uh, Pizza Hut. Yeah. There was a flyer on the wall for a missing girl. 
she turned out to be one of his victims. Oh, you remember that from, that was one of those things. Yeah. That first time you see something like that as a kid, it kind of burns its way in there. Yeah, I mean, apparently something else burned its way into Ted Bundy himself. Yeah, that's for sure. Kid, but uh, well, what, what, did you grow up on a farm? No, but I grew up in the country. Yeah? Yeah. And what'd you do out there? Just uh, wish that I was somewhere else. The whole time? Pretty much, yeah. Big family? No, small. Just, yeah. just me and my mom and dad and my sister. That was it? Uh, was, he, was he a farmer? No. Uh, <laughs> they were they were school teachers. Oh, that's noble? Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Is the memories too uh, too polluted by other things? To <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's too raw. Yeah? Bad times. <laughs> <laughs> and this is it. That's what started you rolling, I guess. I guess so, yeah. I was the the black sheep of the f- small family. When did you start uh, doing music? I, I used to collect comic books as a kid, and there was a comic book store in my town. Yeah. and uh, Thank God for those, right? Yeah, actually, that, that saved me because I uh, I saw a picture of Iggy Pop on the front of a magazine that he was giving away yeah and because he couldn't sell it no one wanted it i think it was one of those where he cut off half the cover oh yeah, you know, yeah. right they used to do in the 70s and uh, oh when they yeah, it was one of those that means that they didn't sell them they were going to send them back i guess i so, think yeah. is what they they'd get credit how did that work they'd cut off the title of the magazine and send those back for or something for credit i don't know whatever so it was half a cover of iggy yeah and uh I, I thought, what, you know, what's this? Yeah, who's that guy? And I asked the kind of uh, older hippie that ran the shop. Thank God for those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Naturally. Yeah. Um, you know, who's this? And he said, oh, you know, I have some some 45s and uh, played me, I want to say it was tight pants or something. Uh-huh. And I was that's what got me hooked within like a couple of days i'd traded in all my comic books for credit on records so i listened to you know the original like uh sex pistol singles i had those and the damned stranglers from the from that same shop yeah from that same shop man and then as i got a little older i started to take the greyhound bus to seattle and walk around to different record stores and but I literally didn't know anybody in, in Ellensburg that listened to that same kind of music for years. So we're like the same age. So that was a, a give or take a year. So that was like that time where you really, those were those were the only places you could get it. You needed that one record store or you needed this weird community of friends that would send you shit from other places or else you were just locked in mainstream fucking townie music, which isn't bad. You know, there was a lot of good rock and roll around. Well, I, you know, in, in Ellensburg, literally nobody even knew who Jimi Hendrix was that I knew. Really? Yeah, it was all, the local radio was, I want to say, uh, country music. Uh-huh. But, you know, 70s style, so that was sure. terrible. But, right. But, yeah, the the rock thing was really, it, we, was, it was a wasteland. And we're talking like, what, you know, early 70s, mid 70s? Mid to late 70s. And that was, uh, you were like, uh, there's a different world out there. Where's that world? Yeah. So, um, you know, I just listened to that stuff in solitude for several years and then eventually met some guys uh, who were younger than me that 
in Allensburg? Yeah, that were into that same kind of music, and they ended up uh, being the guys I was in my first band with. Which band? Screaming Trees. So those guys were all from your hometown? They were, yeah. So you knew them growing up? I, I actually knew who they were. Because the Connor brothers. Yeah, because it's such yeah. a small town. I, one of my uh, earliest memories when I still lived uh, in the town, walking to, I want to say like first grade or something. Yeah, yeah. Seeing this kid sitting in a in a uh, like wading pool in this front yard. Yeah. <laughs> and he smiled at me and that, that was man Connor. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I knew who he was my right. entire life, but didn't really know him until I was... 18 that's kind of weird about like smaller cities or smaller towns it's like there, there is just a little bit of distance but you, you've seen them around you know <laughs> yeah and th- these guys were really uh i mean physically imposing really big guys really big guys uh you know outside the norm so were they twins no <laughs> No. Um, <laughs> Do people ask that a lot? <laughs> yeah, they, they used to. Um, <laughs> I just remember that first screaming tree. Well, not the first one. That was a surprising thing because, like, like I, you know, the one I heard was the one with the hits on it, the one that became big, and I fucking love that record. But, you know, you guys were at it for a while. Yeah, I mean, we made, I want to say, four records in the 80s. So, yeah, you know, but... We were making them like every eight months. So, all right. So you meet those guys in your hometown, and they and what'd you play? Did you play, or were you just singing? I was a terrible drummer. I, I just had like half of a drum kit that some guy had traded me for some weed. But you you were drumming. Well, <laughs> they they wanted me to, but you know, I was I was arguably a worse drummer than I was a singer, and I was a pretty bad singer for years. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it took me a while to. To learn how to do it what who were you like initially who were you modeling yourself after well initially i was singing songs that the guitar player for the trees wrote and he wrote them uh you know to suit his voice uh-huh and he had a much higher voice than me so i oh, was so shredding you i was either like singing really high or singing like two octaves lower which was easier but also still like completely right you know not correct not your sweet spot not my sweet spot at yeah, all yeah yeah we weren't anywhere close to being savvy enough to like change keys on anything so right for years literally i just you know tried to find a way to sing stuff <laughs> no one no one could just write down like well these are these three let's just drop them down or move them up or throw a capo on it's like we're stuck in these did we didn't even know how to change the change the uh, strings on a guitar really so is that true well yeah I mean, yeah how old were you guys? Um, I was 20 when we first started, and a couple of the guys were 15. <laughs> and, and the older uh, Connor brother was, I want to say, 22. 22. Yeah, yeah. So did you? where did you play? Like, whose garage? Well, we actually uh, rehearsed in the back of a video store that the Connor family owned. So oh yeah there was a big room back there I, I worked for them in that shop for a while you were renting videos selling videos yeah renting them out they have an x section they did yeah yeah that's always helpful <laughs> <laughs> it, it was you know most popular section sure i would think up there in the middle of washington yeah it wasn't uh i, know, I think it was probably the only place you could get oh really videos in our own so you knew a little bit about the 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 adults in the community <laughs> well, yeah, their, their, their taste as you're far as the secret keeper, right? Yeah, so you're in the back of the store, you and the fellas 
hammering it out <laughs> yeah um you know we we actually started recording like a month after we first rehearsed because there happened to be a guy who lived in our hometown that was uh recording bands and had a four track or an eight track it was or? an eight track yeah and uh, we ended up making our first four records on that eight track like all in maybe three years time and who released them well the first one was released by the guy who recorded it sure and then we started making records for sst here in yeah california are they are they even still around well i think you know he's still selling records but uh, out of a warehouse in right. arizona i think because they were that was a, a pretty important label in its day yeah i mean you know for us it was must have been like holy shit yeah it was it, yeah. Was, it was still like the most exciting thing that's happened to me in 30 years of that, music getting was, that first sst deal was getting phone call from from greg Ginn at sst which i didn't even believe it was him yeah who were they and you knew all the bands on there i imagine yeah we were big black flag fans and oh yeah we were uh, Husker Du fans, Minutemen. Minutemen. Sonic Youth. Uh, they were all on SST. They were all on SST. We were on there at the same time as Sonic Youth and Dinosaur. Well, it was completely bizarre yeah. you know, from where we were from to you know be well, making records for them. Well, what was that first trip down there like? Well, we were playing record stores all the way down to California, and that was it. And because there was a guy who worked at SST who was friends with the guy who produced our first record. Um, he came out as a courtesy to see us play. Yeah. And that's really how we got hooked up with those guys. He got excited when he saw us play live to like five people in a record store in Santa Monica. Man, do you, I bet you don't miss those gigs. I still play those gigs, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> just not with the band by myself more than five <laughs> I've, I've played to nobody I, if there was a negative audience i could have played to them. well that's a, oh, that's an interesting thing about you i guess interesting is a diplomatic word probably from your perspective but <laughs> i mean you know you're one of the great rock and roll singers and you've done like you have an amazing catalog of work yet how does that happen mark why are you playing to nobody in a record store? I don't know how that happens, but it, it does occasionally. Fucking music, right? Yeah. You know, I played at uh, I've played at weddings, I've played at a funeral. I've played everything As a as a as a to honor somebody or as a paid gig? Yeah, to honor somebody. But <laughs> both times, wedding and funeral. Oh, okay. But it wasn't like, man, things are bad. I gotta get a wedding gig. No, but if somebody offered me one, I would definitely take it. Would you? Depending on you know how how low my my bank account was at that point. Well, Lightning Attic did that. They did that beautiful box set, right? Yeah, yeah, they did an anthology, and Sub Pop did a box set like a couple of years ago of all my early records. Yeah. So, and do they sell all right? Well. When Sub Hop released the box set, I finally recouped with them after like 17 years. So <laughs> I guess it sold something. But so you're even with Sub Pop? I'm even with them now, yeah. So what was going on? Like, So you're like, uh, you signed an SST and you're 20, 21. Who put out the big record that you guys did? Uh, Epic. So what, what was happening when you got there? What year was that? 
we actually signed in 1989 to Epic, which was sort of predated uh, everybody else doing Really? It. Yeah, in fact, I remember um, the, they were putting us on metal compilations, and there really wasn't the you know, sort of grunge genre. Yeah, it's weird because, it, like, in, in retrospect, I don't know if it was a genre, was it, really? No, it's just, you know. Because you guys were rock bands. I mean, all, you know, like, Pearl Jam is a rock band. Nirvana is a rock band with a few, you know, pop chords. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like like most things, it was a it, media construct. Well, what, but was there a community? Well, it was a small city, so, you know, you, you knew everybody. Musically, it seemed... You know, to us, that everybody sort of had their own thing going. So when you guys are doing that stuff, when when that scene is happening, I mean, what's your relationship with with? Because uh, I know you worked a bit with some of Nirvana, right? I did. Yeah, that's how I actually started making solo records. Was um, Kurt and I were friends, and we decided to. Uh, try and make an EP of Lead Belly covers, Lead Belly being someone that we both liked a lot. We were sitting around listening to him one day and thought, hey, we should we should do a record of this stuff. Why not? And uh, Sub Pop agreed to, to put it out. Yeah. And we booked some time in the studio and about an hour into the first day in the studio, we kind of looked at each other and thought, uh, maybe this was like a half-baked idea, you know. <laughs> so we uh, we finished like one or two songs and, and then just decided to shelve it. And Which ones? Which songs? Because they covered that one, right? That's sort of an off-the-beaten-track one. Which one did they do? They In did, the Pines? Or? Yeah, which is also the song that, that we did together, which ended up being on my first solo record. Um, That one and, and one other one. I can't remember what it was called, but that was the one that, you know, we, we were like, hey, this one's good. And uh, after we told Sub Pop we weren't going to finish making this thing, they, they said to me, why don't you make a solo record? And that was the uh, catalyst for me learning how to... How to do it? How to play guitar. I remember that. Some, oh, yeah, that where songs. you learned? Yeah? Yeah, it was because of that. See, like, you're one of those guys, and I've talked to people before, where musicians... Like, you can be a fan of, like, a few of the records, but then when you sit down with them, you're like, oh, man, they got 90 out. I missed that. <laughs> I missed that one record, like, 20 records. Yeah, man, I have way too many records, so. No, but don't, you don't keep working. Well, no choice. <laughs> if you had a choice, would you stop? Uh, if I won the lotto, I might just sit on a beach somewhere. Uh, a lotto. <laughs> yeah, the big dream. Yeah, the, the lotto hope. <laughs> so... When you were in Seattle, when did the when did you get when did the drugs start then? Well, I was always partial to drugs when I lived in Eastern Washington. But yeah, what were you getting in Eastern Washington? Uh, everything you get in, anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you were sort of there, like that that tar shit preceded the meth shit, right? Yeah, and uh, you know, for me, both. Both worked out. Yeah, <laughs> gotta be. You gotta. You gotta be up and you gotta be down. Yeah, si simultaneously. Part of my story. Yeah. Did you find because I was trying to kind of tap into, like, because I listen to Gargoyle and you know those. I like. I tend to like the like. I like those last two cuts, the uh, first day of winter and Old Swan. 
you know, like on that on the new record. Oh, and and I like uh, there's always been the the thing about your voice, but not just about your voice. It doesn't matter. It doesn't seem to matter who you're playing with. There's this. What did I write down? Me, me and my poetic yeah impulse. I, I said. Uh, <laughs> The tone of sound, you can feel the Pacific Northwest, the haunting comfort <laughs> of the weight of the gloomy sky. And I said, he's an existential Viking. There you go. That's your, There's your blurb. Do you need a blurb for Gargoyle? <laughs> I just got it. Thanks, man. <laughs> but, you know, I think something, there. there is something to that. Don't you ever, I mean, there. there's a place you go emotionally with the way you sing and also with the the chords you use and even over the years whatever song it is that there's it creates a space man i mean i don't know how to ask an artist about that but do you feel that do you feel where that came from do you think that some of that had to do with washington or dope or what i don't, I don't know I, I mean uh speaking of box sets mm -hmm. one of the first things that i actually heard that sort of informed where i would go with my own records I was working in a um, warehouse for a chain of record stores in Seattle, and I had made you know three records with the trees already. And, yeah, but again, I wasn't writing songs or doing any of that stuff. And I saw this Nick Drake box set called, oh, called Fruit Tree, and it, on the cover, it's just a picture of him like in a long overcoat, smoking a cigarette, like walking on a beach or next to a lake or something. And it's yeah, a black and white photo, and yeah. I thought Fruit Tree, huh? you know what is this and i asked a guy who worked there and he goes oh man this stuff is great and he made me a cassette of nick drake tim buckley and leonard cohen all three of who i'd never heard before how old were you 23 oh that was 24. it the portal yeah and so that uh that really spoke to me in a way that you know very few things had before that type of music and you know I want to say maybe within six months I had made written the songs for my first solo record and made that record so it was really you know sort of my version of that stuff sure if you know you were under the influence and not in your own voice yet necessarily right yeah, yeah. and you know could barely play three chords on the guitar to write these songs so that was it that was it and I mean every, wow. everything I've done since then sort of uh I mean, it's, it's basically the same, but, you know, with a little bit more uh, artistry, I guess. So, I, you know, been really lucky to play with guys who are actually really proficient and great artists. So, Well, you are. You're, you're a great singer. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but like Nick Drake, I was just talking to another dude about that today. I just, I think I just picked up his third album. That song, I was talking, somebody asked me about um, which songs you know, make me cry consistently. And that uh, that song, Time Has Told Me. That's beautiful, yeah. Oh, my God. It didn't end well for that guy. No, it didn't. Um, but I guess it doesn't really end well for everybody. No, eventually. no, no. It, it, <laughs> so, it, the end is not good. You just hope it's fast. Yeah. And I guess if you decide on it, it's you know, if it you do it be, correctly, yeah. it might be pretty quick. Yeah. Do you find that, you know, I guess when you listen to Nick Drake... There's that element where you can hear the weight of, of I don't know if it's sad. I guess it's sadness. It's, there's definitely a space that's created, and you do it too, that it feels like it could be sadness, but it, it isn't. It's almost like embracing uh, a certain darkness. I mean, do you, feel, do you ever feel like what you're doing is like literally saving your life? Well, 
Yeah, you know, for a long time I wouldn't have copped to that, but I, I think that it's true. You know, um, right. It's given me an outlet for whatever these, you know, ideas and thoughts and give me a place to sort of create this uh, alternate reality that's in a song or a record. Yeah. Um, so Cushions it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a big, dark cushion. <laughs> <laughs> that's the other blurb. <laughs> big, dark cushion. I'm trying to help you out. <laughs> it's working. Did you find that, did you find, you know, and I don't, and I don't talk about this much, but I'm, I'm always curious about it because I don't talk to too many people that have had a long experience with dope, but do you find that, like, because I've known a couple of dudes that I don't think they could have had the perception that they had with without it. You know, that's so hard to say, really. Is it? Well... I mean, because I was never a dope guy. I did a few times. It didn't take. I'm probably lucky. Yeah, I'd, <laughs> I'd say so. Yeah. Um, you know, it's that's like. Well, you've done it both. You've yeah. written songs on and off. I have, and I've, I've done records that I thought were really good on, and I've done records that I thought were really good off, and I've done records that couldn't come out because they were so bad when i was on you know I yeah mean, ultimately it's uh it's crapshoot it's a gamble <laughs> well yeah it's a gamble and and you know my experience with that stuff is uh ultimately not a positive one because yeah. of the you know damages um you got done, pretty strung done, out done to my existence oh yeah <laughs> yeah 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 but um I mean, really, to be honest about drugs, the yeah. only drugs I ever did that sort of enhanced my abilities, I thought, yeah, wasn't really dope, but uh, weed at one time sure. like made me do stuff that I never would have done. Otherwise, I quit smoking weed for about five years, and then around the time I made my second solo record, Whiskey, I decided to smoke weed, and, yeah. and it made me do some stuff that I had never you know, thought about doing, and and of course it turned on me quickly like all drugs well yeah because like if you've got the bug you're just gonna do it all day long well <laughs> anything i ever did that's all i ever did you know yeah after the first time it wore off i was doing it again sure so. it's your job <laughs> <laughs> but and then there was a, a brief period of time when and i shouldn't even say this because i don't in any way advocate it right because ultimately it was really damaging as well but there was a period of time when i thought like you know, this meth thing is really working for me <laughs> artistically. I'm really getting a lot done. A lot done. But those are really the only two, you know. Well, I didn't get, like, I definitely was, you know, uh, absorbed with weed in a big way. But, like, meth, I've done both meth and dope. And, like, meth, like, I, I get it. You know, there's there's a, at least a feeling of clarity. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Ultra yeah. clarity. And, you know, there is a, a, an excitement to it, certainly. But it just really comes down to, I guess, whether you want to risk your teeth and, <laughs> and your mental faculties. And right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a dirty drug. It's dirty. Yeah, it's like it's just non-organic. Non-organic, indeed. <laughs> as chemical as they come. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so you do the solo records. Now, how did the relationship with um, with Josh start? Well, he, Josh Hami. He lived in Seattle, and uh, 
early, well, maybe like 94. He was living in Seattle, 95. Yeah. Going to college, he had, he had uh, quit Caius and was trying to... Fucking Caius, what a band, dude. Great band. Weren't they? Yeah, fantastic. Wow. And... Uh, he was trying to get, get on the straight and narrow? Yeah, he was trying to get on the straight and narrow. His brother lived in Seattle, and he was enrolled in the University of Washington. Yeah. Um, I had never met him, but I was a fan of Caius. And the bass player in the Screaming Trees knew Josh from something they had done together. Yeah. And we were looking to get a second guitar player. And he ended up uh, saying, yes, he would do it. And so he was actually already in the band by the time I met him. In your band? Yeah they had rehearsed with him and everything uh-huh. and then i came one day and he was there so um he seems that makes sense yeah i mean it was obvious right away that he had like way more on the ball than any of us <laughs> it was just sort of playing these yeah you know, rhythm guitar parts but uh but we got along really well and eventually uh we were both living down here he asked me to sing on the first queen's record but i was uh in long-term rehab at that point i couldn't get out to, like six months uh actually went almost a year for the dope yeah everything everything yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and you couldn't get out to sing i couldn't get out to sing um and by the time he made the second record i did quite a bit of singing on that one right and then the next couple uh, i've actually been on all of them except for the first one so when you were in a year rehab did that stick it did, yeah, for you know a few years. <laughs> <laughs> so no, <laughs> well, it didn't stick forever. Yeah, uh, yeah. But what does? I know. Are you sober now or no? I am. Yeah. Yeah, like working it or just I, I'm working it. Yeah. Oh, good man. That's good. That's pretty much the only thing that uh, you feel better. Uh, of course, yeah. Yeah, it's a, little, a little more freedom, huh? Yeah. And no more. The job is over. Lots more freedom. So, like. It seems to me like, you know, when I look at the stuff you did that, you know, you definitely get a, a tremendous amount of respect from the community in, in a lot of different ways, in a way that not a lot of singers do or rock performers do. Like, you know, it seems like the alt acts, you know, the, the, the hipster kids love you, the fucking hardcore, you know, alt rockers love you. And then the hard rock dudes fucking love you. Like you can you have this this uh, this ticket to, or this like ability to because your instrument is so uh solid that you can work with all these different people that's kind of an amazing thing do you do you recognize that i don't know if i recognize the love you just described but (laughs) but i recognize the opportunity that i've had you know to work with all kinds of different people and guns and roses guys um (laughs) well duff's a good friend of mine yeah he's a seattle guy too uh, he is huh yeah and that, like, but that's a whole other world. I mean, there's differences in these worlds. Like, there's differences in the world, in my mind, maybe not in yours or maybe not in, but there's a difference in the Guns N' Roses circle and the Dinosaur Jr. circle. Well, yeah. <laughs> they seem to be different orbits. Like, you know, rock, you know, at Los Angeles, Hollywood rock and roll is specific. I mean, and I think, I, I think that, you know, Josh is sort of, uh, in between those sometimes but he's definitely a hard rock guy but then when you think about jay jay's hard rock as hell but it's like his own weird thing you know what i mean yeah well i mean there, there definitely are uh differences um in the specific uh 
you know communities communities i guess but that doesn't mean that people don't uh you know hang out interact with people <laughs> well, that, well that's well see that's weird because as a guy who likes music and as somewhat of a fan and not you know you have a lot of different people you get this weird assumption that the, you guys are like comic book people like you're you're like superheroes of some kind and they're these different factions that you know but behind the scenes i've learned after talking to people it's like you know you pass in the hallway or whatever the hallway is or whatever that represents and like what are you working on i got a thing going it's like you know it's not yeah, there's a difference between the front the front room and the back room, you know? Well, I think, you know, the, a lot of uh, that kind of perception is probably because of the sort of mainstream success of one band compared right. to, like, the sort of sustained different kind of success of a different kind of band, you know what I sure. mean? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking of the difference sure. between Guns N' Roses and Dinosaur Jr. now. Right. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's music, and you guys uh, you come in contact with people from all, right. all different uh, kinds of bands. But you did a couple records with uh, Isabel from uh, Bell and Sebastian? I did. I made three records with her. But now, was that, were you guys in a relationship? No. How did that, how does that happen? See, that's one of those things where it's like, you're a singer and, you know, she's, sing it's like it makes sense, but it seems two different worlds, doesn't it? Uh, or not to you? Well, I mean, I was a fan of Bell and Sebastian, yeah. but it, it was definitely, you know, not in my direct uh, realm. <laughs> yeah. Not the kind of... Uh, you weren't hanging out. Not hanging out. Right. Uh, she got in contact with me via a record company or management uh -huh. or something, wanted me to sing on one song, which I did. And then we ended up meeting in uh, person and became friends and ended up making all these records together. Pretty records. Thank you. You make pretty records with that, with her. <laughs> Well, I agree. Thanks. And which one of that, the, the record you did where there was a lot of collaboration? Like, I don't know the record, but I did some reading about it. Was it Bubblegum, that record? Was that, yeah, it was your record. Yeah. And like, there was a shit ton of people on there. Yeah, I made that while I was playing with the Queens. So all those guys were on it. And um, was PJ Harvey on it? She sang on a couple songs, yeah. Are you pals with her? We, we know each other. Yeah. I wouldn't say we're pals, but. She's, I'm a huge fan of what right? she does. I mean, she's the greatest. She's something, right? Yeah. And what what happened? So, how did you manage to? Um, do you are you married? Uh, I've been married a couple times. I'm in the process of ending my second marriage right now. Yeah, I've been through a couple. You got kids? No, me neither. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we won, man. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever look at it differently. Okay. <laughs> oh wait, before let's before we get to the new record, the Afghan Wigs, they were a band that I remember like you know enjoying a couple of their records. And I know they just they did a new one recently, and I know that you know Greg's out you know talking to people, and I haven't talked to him because I'm nervous. I get nervous about uh, musicians sometimes, but. You guys known each other a long time, and you do you work together? Cause I listened to a little bit of one of the records you did with him. Yeah, I mean we played on a bunch of records together. We're good friends. How how did you guys uh, come together with you? Because you record under another band name, right? Well, we recorded with his band, Twilight Singers. Uh, sang with those guys. Played on a few of their records. He's played on a bunch of my records. We made a record together called The Gutter Twins. Right, that one. Yeah, and we. Uh, were you just like-minded? You just get along? 
Yeah, we're just, you know, real good friends. Yeah? Is that from Seattle days? We knew each other in Seattle, but we didn't really uh, hang out until we both lived down here, like in the late 90s again. Man. Tough racket. <laughs> Music. <laughs> like, it's like, because when I'm going over your stuff and I'm planning to talk to you, like, there's just, like, so many different side projects, so many different bands. You've sung on fucking everything. Have you met most of your heroes? I've met quite a few of them, yeah. Like who, who else? Well, one of my first heroes was a guy named Greg Sage. He was in a band from Portland, Oregon called The Wipers. Yeah. And uh, I want to say it was the second show I ever did was opening for him. We became friends. He was also an influence on my first solo record along with that other stuff I mentioned because he had made a record, a solo record that was heavily acoustic and that was... Uh, I actually heard that before I heard Nick Drake and that stuff. So uh, he, you know, I spent a lot of time with him back in the '80s. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeffrey again, yeah. Um, Rollins, Rollins, sure did shows with him, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, know him. He's he's great. He's a real character, man. Yeah, he's one of the greatest. I just remember <laughs> before I actually knew Henry. Yeah, uh, playing a show with them at the old IBM in San Francisco, and we played. And of course, the Connor brothers got in a fist fight on stage <laughs> with each other. With each other, yeah. Oh my god, that was the only only person they would fight with was each other. Yeah. Um, and then I was off the side of the stage. Ron's band getting ready to go up, and Henry was like in full view of the audience and everything, doing push-ups or four count burpees like uh-huh. you know like working out on the side of the stage i was like man this guy's <laughs> he means business he is something else <laughs> of course he is you know yeah <laughs> is he doing all right have you talked to him lately i, I saw him i want to say in god maybe it was 2010 oh it's been a while yeah um but we have you know a lot of people in common yeah sure he's, he's a very he's an earnest motherfucker man he is, yeah. Great, great taste in music. Oh, he knows everything. Yeah. He, like, I talked to him once and he gave me all the, like, I did a series of shows with him, spoken word things, and he brought me, a, like, a hard drive, said, here's some stuff, and I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, where the fuck do you even, <laughs> where did this come from? You know, like, just, like, studio versions of things, you're like, what? What is this? Yeah, man, he's, a, he's something else. So, on Gargoyle... It's like you've done, a, this is like, what, your 10th record? 10th record with my name on it. Now, one thing I noticed, and I noticed this because, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but like I recently um, got sent the promo uh, 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 version. Uh, it's it's not, it hasn't come out yet of, of Ray Davies' record, a new record from the Kings. And, you know, it, you know I don't know if it's because I'm 53 and that, you know, like I just listened to Amy Mann's new record and she's around our age, you know. Well, you're a little younger than me. What are you, 52? 52, yeah. That, like, you know, people, like it's, I guess the point I'm making, it seems that, you know, your voice and your songs sound uh, uh, like they're deeper and have more wisdom and that, you know, your own, you know, kind of vulnerability and fragility of just being where we are in life, you can feel that alongside of... <laughs> this is a good thing don't misunderstand it that you can feel that alongside of what you've always been doing and it adds another dimension to it are you aware of that 
Do you feel like you're writing differently now? Well, I definitely feel like I'm better at it now because it's easier. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm just kidding myself or what. Right. Um, but as far as like uh, what the end result is, I, I don't I don't really think about it. No. I just sort of like uh, go on instinct. and Yeah. And I know that because I'm less uh, critical of what I do yeah. now, That's I, I feel like it's getting better. That's it. That's what she said, too. It's like I, the, I, I give less of a shit about what people think of me. <laughs> Basically, was the I'm paraphrasing, but like once you get like once that, it's what a fucking relief that is. If there's any gift to you know living, continuing to live when you see you know uh, people in our peers pass at young ages, is that eventually you stop giving a fuck about certain things. Indeed. That's a fucking gift. I got to. I got to make sure I remember that, because <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of things when I was younger that seemed like an awfully big deal. That really, it's just sort of like, what the fuck? Oh man, everything was a big deal to me when I was younger, and now nothing is. So, but you can't. There's no way to learn that before it happens. You know, who's going to tell you that? It's like, hey, you know what? You shouldn't give a shit so much. And when you're, you're fuck you. Yep. This is life or death here, man. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> right? <laughs> what do you know, old man? <laughs> Who played on this record? Uh, Alan Johannes plays on uh, most of it. And he's the guy I've made records with since Bubblegum. Produces them. Um, but a lot of the music for this one was recorded and written by a guy named Rob Marshall, a British guy. How'd you find him? Uh, he actually found me. Yeah, asked me to do something for this project that he was doing, and I recorded some vocals. And I mean, I heard it first, and I was like, "Yeah, this is cool, and I could do something with this." And I wrote some words and recorded some vocals for his thing. Yeah, and uh, then he sent me an email saying, "I really like what you did. I'd like to write something for you someday." And I was like, "Okay, well, I filed that away," and then I was sort of running into a wall trying to finished this new record and I was not really digging what I was doing and I thought hey maybe that (laughs) call in a favor yeah maybe that guy's got something for me (laughs) and so he ended up uh, sending me a whole bunch of stuff which was again just as good as the stuff I had done for him and it was really easy to write to oh cool ended up half the record was his stuff well I, I appreciate the fact that it's a reasonable amount of songs instead of 90 you know, like for some reason, people who do CDs are like, we're going to put 18 songs on there. It's like, dude, you know, the records were good for a reason. You know, cut, you know, make some choices. Yeah, but I, I thought about just doing eight songs this time. Yeah. But, um, yeah, 10 seems to be. Uh, yeah, Amy did like 10 on hers, too. I was like, yeah, thanks. Because it feels like, you know, you made some decisions. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, in my case, it's just using the exactly what I have. <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I got. That's all I got Thank for this God one. It's enough. So, are you going to go out and tour, or what are you going to do? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to tour in uh, May, June, July, and Europe, and then maybe some state stuff in August, and then back to Europe for a couple months. How you holding up in Europe? How's the you got? How, how's the crowds? Well, it's the only place I have a crowd is Europe, so I, I managed. To, Nothing wrong with that. It's worked for me for several years, so I'm, yeah. I'm lucky. 
But there, I don't know what it is or why that is, but you know, the, it seems like you can hold on to the community longer. You know, with and you know, being, you know, somebody who's specific and has specific fans, it seems like you can continue to build there. Here, like I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, I, d- I don't either. Um, <laughs> but I've I managed to, you know, I tour every year in Europe and pay my bills from that. So I'm and you're all right. Blessed. Yeah, blessed. Good. <laughs> Still alive. Well, it was good talking to you, Mark. Nice talking to you. Mark Lanigan. Intense. Intense. Go to WTFpod.com. Check out the tour dates. Listen to the podcast. Get on the mailing list. No music today because there's no electricity at my house. I have no guitars. There's nothing but paintbrushes here. Is there anything that'll make a sound? This is a... Here, here, let's do some experimental music. This is a small plastic container filled with tiny beads. Shh. That was improvisational and, and quite frankly, odd. Yeah. And I did it. And that's my commentary on it. Boomer lives!